Hey, one more time, five stones. If you're excited to be in God's house, why don't you make some noise this morning? Come on. And I want to welcome all of you joining us on the other sides of computer screens and tablets on our online community. So glad that you're a part of what God is doing right here at Five Stones. We always say it this way, if you can be in the building, we'd rather you be in the building because something powerful happens when the people of God meet together. Well, listen, at this point in the service is normally where I would just bring the heat and I would bring the thunder. Um, but today we've got a rare Labor Day treat for you guys. We're actually going to hear from Ethan Boggs. Now, Ethan, in, a, in just a moment, I want you to go nuts for him because Ethan um, is is not just a brother in the faith, but I, I consider him like a spiritual son. When when we were leaving Alabama, um, and if you, you don't know this story, then come to Next Steps today and you'll find out more about it. But when we were leaving Alabama to come launch this church, um, we had it was just me and my wife Deborah and our kids, and and that was it. that was it. There's there's five of us. We thought, well, we'd be five small stones. That <laughs> that maybe that be the whole church, yeah. And and, uh, and we didn't know how this whole thing was going to go down. But when we were finally able to release that we were leaving, um, the first couple, the first family that said, hey, we want to come with you. We're, we're crazy enough to believe that God's behind this thing, um, was Ethan and Brittany and their family. And, um, and I've known him for years now. You guys know Ethan because you typically will see him uh, every Sunday leading worship out here. Now, what you might not know is he also leads our student department as well. And uh, just, a, just an amazing guy. And so um, I, I just really hope this. Um, I, I hope that you will just do what Five Stones does really well. Will you do what the Bible says and honor where honor is due. Will you put your hands together and welcome this morning Ethan Boggs. Come on. Good morning, Five Songs. So thankful to be here this morning. And I am so thankful for Pastor Tom and Deb and what all they do. And guys, as, as much as um, you've given me an applause, and I appreciate that, I want us to give honor to them as they lead this church. Can you give them a hand this morning? And, you know, I do want to welcome everyone who's visiting uh, us online, who's able, through technology, able to see the service this morning. And speaking of welcoming, I do want to encourage you, everyone here, everyone online, um, to join me and my family as we welcome people for our one big Sunday next Sunday. As Pastor Tom said, there are plenty of invites and plenty of things out in the lobby to help that make it as easy as possible. So... As Pastor Tom said, my name is Ethan Boggs, and you've probably seen me and my wife help leading worship here, but also a couple of kids that you maybe not have seen before is these three munchkins. Uh, we've got a nine, a seven, and a three-year-old here, and um, they have helped us find the end of our sanity, uh, but also they've been a joy, and they've already, our nine-year-olds, getting plugged in and helping out uh, in Five Stones Kids, and so we really um, enjoy and appreciate the kids' ministry here. Also, too, as Pastor Tom said, we not only lead worship, but we also lead youth. And so since I have the microphone, I'm going to make a quick plug. Um, if you have a 6th to 12th grader, uh, we would love to have them. We um, meet at our house uh, on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8.30. And this is a picture from our group this summer. And we've only been meeting since January. We waited a couple months since launch. But over since January, we have seen these youth grow and serve and worship and just uh, amazing things on Wednesday nights. Uh, I think this 
trip right here was a highlight of my summer because I was able to convince a couple of them to go on the drop line with me. If anybody knows what that is, that's uh, the big needle uh, there at Dollywood. And so, hey, it'll be fine. It's no problem. And then, of course, we get up there 20 plus stories in the air and got to see them uh, kind of their short lives flash before their eyes. So, no, but it is great. And again, we meet on Wednesday, so I want to encourage you to come out. But it's hard for me to be, believe, just as Pastor Tom said, it's been uh, both short and a long time coming that next week we have our one-year anniversary. And it's just amazing to me because that is one full year of us meeting here at East Brainerd Elementary. That is one full year of us getting here at 715, setting, turning this from a gym into a sanctuary, and then after service, breaking it down. That is one full year of our worship team leading praise and worship from here. That is one full year of our kids' ministry and our next steps and everyone who uh, does security and production doing an amazing job. And really, that is one full year of consistency. And that's what I want to talk about today. Because of that consistency, though, we've seen week after week after week people coming to Christ, making that eternal um, decision to follow Jesus. We've seen month after month of people being baptized. We've seen people getting connected in groups through next steps and through small groups. We've seen people serve through our first Saturday serves and our um, different things we do in the community. And it's because of that consistency that there's been a difference in this community. There's been a difference in families. There's been a difference right here. And isn't that true that in the essential things in our lives, that consistency is super important? That, in fact, when we don't have consistency, that's when it seems like chaos breaks out, right? When you are going to your car in the morning, right, about to go to work, you want to have consistency in that vehicle. If not not a great day. When uh, you come home on these 90 plus Tennessee days, right, you want to have consistency in that air conditioning system, right? When you spend over half your budget like we do feeding your children, you want to have consistency with that refrigerator, right? We thrive on consistency. Things go well when we are consistent, when things are consistency, consistent, but Consistency, at the very least, is complicated, right? It's not something that just comes easily. Instead, consistency, uh, consistency takes continual effort. And today, we have more and more responsibilities and things vying for our attentions. And so that consistency becomes more and more complicated. You know, when Brittany and I bought our first home, uh, we bought it, and it was amazing where we had a, we, we went from a one-bed, one-bath apartment to this home that we had actual space in, and then we also had a yard. We had a fenced-in backyard, and, you know, I couldn't believe it at the time, but we didn't have neighbors on the left, right, or back. We just had across the road neighbors. So we had our own section of America right there, and um, we thought we were poor before. Uh, after we became first-time homebuyers, we, we realized exactly how poor we were. But one of the amazing things were we, I was able to get a riding lawnmower. We still had enough cash so I could get a riding lawnmower. Now, it was not fancy, was not zero turn, you know, it was your basic riding lawnmower, but it had the cup holder for my sweet tea, you know, so I could come home for after a long day at work and sit down and mow. It took me about 45 minutes to mow the yard and trim it and do all the things you need to get done. And that was good because this grass, I, 
I don't know. I mean, we kind of live close to a nuclear power plant, so I don't know if that had anything to do with it. But this grass grew faster than any grass I've ever seen in my life. I promise you, if you'd laid down on the grass, you'd probably just watch it grow. And so it was multiple times a week that I had to go out there, especially in summertime like this, and cut it and cut it and cut it and cut it. Again, not a problem with the rod and lawnmower, not a problem because I had my sweet tea, right? But um, who here is mechanically inclined, good? working on motors okay we got a few okay I know who to be friends with um, because I am whatever the opposite of mechanically inclined right some people say oh you've got a green thumb you're good with plants you got a black thumb if you're bad with plants I'm the black thumb I'm mechanically inclined whatever that happens to be and so it just I knew it was just an amount of time but that nice lovely cup holding uh, <laughs> rod and lawnmower broke down on me and I could not get it fixed and I, I had people come over try to help me and this thing what once was great and easy it just did not want a lawnmower no more right and so what we kept trying to get it fixed and the whole time I could just hear the grass growing taller and taller and it was like the scene in Jumanji where it's just like a forest now in front of our yards and we didn't have many neighbors but still my wife was like you need to get that grass cut all right this is getting ridiculous and so we finally broke down and went to Walmart and got the cheapest uh, little push mower you ever seen and again this this yard was a little under an acre and so we <laughs> I got it and not only is it a push mower, which like, okay, I can use the exercise, but it is half the cutting surface of the bigger mower, right? And so not only now am I having to slog through this Alabama heat and humidity, you know, multiple times a week, push mowing this grass, but I'm having to do it, it's taking me twice as long, twice as long at least. And again, this grass grew so fast that I would just, I didn't have time to do it. And so I, I make these really complicated, intricate plans. Well, I'll cut this part of the yard uh, on Monday, and then Tuesday I'll cut this half of the backyard, and, and then Thursday I'll cut this part of the yard. And then and, and, and it was like, a, you ever seen like the mastermind? People are like, oh, this is my master plan, and they've got the pins and everything going where. That's what my cutting plan looked like for my yard. And, of course, it didn't work. Of course, I had things come up with, we were, um, that was when our first son was just born. Um, I was still new into my career. Um, I was still a new husband. And so, of course, that didn't work. And so, it became, again, just this patchwork of Jumanji. And just, isn't that, I find that to be true sometimes of our lives. We find ourselves bogged down. We find ourselves filled with anxiety and unsure of how we can ever accomplish everything that needs to be done. And we can, can't seem to achieve what we need to achieve, right? And yet, it's true that when we follow God, when we use, I, I got in trouble because I didn't use the right tool consistently, right? I, I was using something of lesser quality. I was using something of lesser horsepower. I was using something that wasn't fit for the job. And when we try to use the world's plans, when we try to use what the world has for us, that's like using that little mower. And you're not, you're just gonna, you, yeah, you're gonna cut some grass, but you're gonna be frustrated. 
you're not going to get it all done. You're not going to achieve what God has set out for you. But when we stick to his plan, when we are consistent with God, when we are consistent in his word, when we are consistent praying and talking to him, that is when we can achieve things that we never thought possible. This morning, if you have your Bibles with you, we will be in the book of Daniel. And in, in Daniel chapter 1, we pick up right after the Babylonians first attacked Jerusalem. And so they plunder the city, they, they plunder the temple, and they take on um, different uh, families and different peoples, and part of which is um, from the royal family, from the house of David, and took on four uh, guys that you might know, uh, know is you, you might recognize. You have Daniel, uh, later named Belshazzar, and his three friends, who you probably recognize from their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And this book of Daniel tells of their struggles to maintain consistency and maintain hope in the land of their conquerors. And I feel in many of the same ways for us and for our students, we, we are in that same place. It is hard to stay consistent. It is hard to stay uh, hopeful in this culture when everything wants to be taken away from us. You know, the Babylonians tried to give these guys different names. They took them out of their home. They took them away from their people. They took, gave them new names. They were trying to give them food that they wouldn't... Uh, that they weren't used to eating. And I feel like as a student pastor, our students are going through the same thing, right? Our culture wants to give them a, a new name, a new identity, a new gender, a new absolutely anything, as long as it's not the hope of Christ. So what does these um, 17, because at our best, um, our best estimates is Daniel's about 17 right here. What does a 17 year old do, right? Daniel 1.8, here's what it says. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And so because of this, because Daniel and his friends had resolved who they were, resolved who God was to them, they said, hey, even though it may come at the cost of our lives, we're going to have to go a different route. And so they asked, hey, can we just eat, you know, these fruits, vegetables, and just have water? We don't want the king's wine. We don't want the, the meat from the king's table. We just want these things. And what happens is they're tested. They're tested over the next 10 days, right? And over the next 10 days, they did not eat from the king's table. And then they were tested and to prove themselves. And because of that decision... These boys, the, the four guys here, they not only were stronger and wiser than uh, the other guys that came with them, but they were also wiser than the people the king already had in his service, right? And was this because of some miraculous diet that, man, if I eat exactly what Daniel did, now I'm going to become Hercules, right? Now I'm going to be wiser than anybody else. I don't think that's true. I don't think it, it didn't come from the diet, right? The benefit did not come from the calories, but it came from the consistency. It did not come from the calories. It came from the consistency. Daniels and his friends had resolved who they were and who God was to them. Now, I love to learn 
fun facts, and if we've ever spent some time together, um, I'll probably <laughs> expound a fun fact for you. And uh, one I absolutely love, just learned it not too long ago, was here in Chattanooga, the railroad had a massive impact on the birth and the growth of Chattanooga, right? Actually, in the late 1800s, Chattanooga was dubbed the gateway to the south. So you could not get you know, bulk goods from the south to the north or the north to the south, except to go through Chattanooga. And so they've had a huge impact. But I've often wondered, and maybe you have too, as you're sitting there in front of a train, you're like, is this thing ever gonna end? And you just look and it's just train after, it's just rail after rail car after rail car. And these trains can pull, how can this seemingly small engine pull this massive train? How can it pull, just so you know, it's a fun fact on top of a fun fact, uh, those rail cars on average are 130 tons. So you multiply that times however many is in that line and you have thousands and thousands of tonnage that is being pulled by this relatively small engine. And it's really two things. Um, it's a draft gear, and I think we have a picture of it. It's a draft gear and consistency. So you didn't know you were going to learn about trains today in church, but here you go. Alright, so the draft gear is right there in the middle, and what happens is instead of a train that's going from a dead stop, instead of it having to pull the whole line, which physics would not allow. Instead, it only has to pull that very first car. Inside that draft gear, it doesn't show it great, but inside that draft gear, right, is something that slides back and forth. And so when the train gets going, it only has to pull that first rail car. So it pulls it and boom, it locks in. Now it's pulling two cars. Boom, it locks in. 30 cars, boom, locks in, and on and on. You've probably heard this and not known exactly what that is. If you're sitting uh, there when a train starts, that boom, boom, that clicking in is that draft gear getting used. Um, and so that allows the train to consistently pull more and more and more tonnage, right, until it's going down the track. So, but that draft gear doesn't work if the train goes and then stops and speeds up and slows down and, or tries to make any kind of maneuver, it only works, right, when it starts and it's consistently going forward. It is consistently going forward, right? And our lives can be the same. God gives us a purpose and sometimes difficult, to challenge, difficult challenges to overcome. But with consistency, we can accomplish these seemingly impossible things. Right, we can, we can accomplish these seemingly impossible tasks. It's when we have consistency that we can uh, pull this train line, right? It's with consistency that we can do uh, the things that God has for us. But when we are inconsistent, right? When we are inconsistent, then we, we can't pull it. Not only would we get stuck, bored, but if you've ever seen a, um, it actually happened not too long ago up in Collegedale where a train hit an I-beam from an 18-wheeler that was going across the tracks, right? So then, instead of this consistent pull from the train, right, it all of a sudden stopped very quickly, right? And what happens then is those draft gears work against it. No longer is it helping it. Instead, they all slam together, and you have an accordion effect. You have a derailment. And again, when we are not consistent with God, that's what can happen with our own lives, right? We, we jump 
from, well, I'll just do this. I'll work with this solution. I'll work with this solution. Oh, you know, hey, I read this book. I'm going to work with this solution, right? And we're jumping all over the place, and life hits us, and we are so easily derailed. Let's look back at Daniel's life in chapter 6. So by now, he has become a trusted advisor of the king. And he's done this through interpreting dreams and also giving good counsel. Um, but with his success with the king, he's picked up some political enemies, right? This is ancient days politics right here. And so these guys are looking, how can we get rid of Daniel? How can we execute Daniel? How can we get him out of the king's pocket? And so they look for different ways. They're like, okay, we're, they're talking to everyone around him and say, hey, you know, can you give me some dirt on Daniel, right? Can you, can you give me something that's, that's going to get him out of the seat of, uh, of power? And they could not find anything. Actually, when they do come up with a plan, right, is actually due to Daniel's consistency, ironically enough. Daniel consistently prayed to God, and these men knew it. So in summary, they tricked the king into signing a decree. They said, oh, king, you are so cool. Like, everybody just needs to worship you, right? And this day in Babylon, there, there was not uh, just one God. They believed in thousands and thousands and thousands of gods. And so they said, hey, look, even the king was a god, right? And so they said, hey, just sign this decree, and we're going to have a whole month dedicated to you, king. We just love you so much. No one's going to pray to anybody but you king and king's like heck yeah let's do that and so he signs that decree into law right and i just i i want to see how how challenging that is to us as well um i know for my own life it's challenging that daniel was so consistent in his prayer life daniel was so consistent with who he was that a bunch of ancient politicians were able to get together agree on something and then go through all the steps to get this decree done knowing that daniel was still going to be consistent at the end of it in our own lives if someone did not know you and they just saw a video of your of your life would there be enough evidence to convict you? Would there be enough evidence to say, yes, they are Christian. Yes, they love God. Yes, they're following God's word. Is there enough evidence? And I, again, that is so challenging for me and such a good perspective to have. You know, they put all this stuff together, but did it work? Daniel 6.10 says this. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Again, Daniel was so consistent in this. And that's so challenging um, to me that they were looking for a way to execute him and they used his consistency with God to do so. You know, at the end of it, though, right, does it work, right? So Daniel is convicted, right, because he's, he's praying to God three times a day. He's not going to stop, right? He doesn't take a 30-day break. He doesn't go hide. He just does what he does, right? And so he gets convicted and put into the lion's den, right, where the lion, the, the politicians thought, we got him, all right? No more Daniel. Right? But what does Daniel do in this? He already went from a, he's still a captive in this nation, 
okay? So he's already going from a bad situation to now I'm in a pit with hungry lions. We're going into a worse situation. Well, maybe we should try something different, right? Maybe we should try a different tactic. No, instead, Daniel's consistent yet again, right? What does he do? He prays. And because of that, God sends an angel to shut up the mouth of the lions, right? And so Daniel is rescued. And not only that, Daniel thrives in it because when he comes out and the king realizes what has happened, right? The king says, well, the God of Daniel, that's the true God. He said, I'm not the God. These gods are not the God. That is the true God. And so not only does Daniel's consistency change the king, but it changes the kingdom. Again, what can we do? What can we accomplish with just a little consistency? And you see here too that, and this is number two in your notes this morning, is that consistency is not something you do, but consistency is who you are. Again, this was not a new tactic for Daniel. Daniel following after God was not something he just, hey, We'll try it out. We'll give it a 30-day test. Instead, the book of Daniel is great because we really see Daniel's life from 17 all the way till old age. We see a lot of his life, and we see he is consistent in who he is with God. And that is so true of us as well, that it's not just something that we do. It's not a tactic. So many times today we have podcasts and books and everybody's trying to look for ways to optimize who they are and get, uh, get ahead in their careers. And this is not a tactic. Instead, this is who you are. Now, today you may not be consistent in, with God. You may be consistent with, like me, eating every sweet that you see, right? We can be consistent in bad things. We can be inconsistent in temporary things. But it is only when we are consistent with God that we can make such a big difference. Also, when you boil consistency down, like what is consistency? If you really want to, what is that action? It is your outlook in motion. All right, so what does that mean? So many times we have a temporary outlook. We look at life, at what will happen this week, what will happen this month or year, and that feeds our inconsistency, right? That feeds into us looking around, what should we do next? How should we go next, right? We lose momentum. But church, if I can be brutally honest, if we keep our temporary outlook, we will keep our temporary rewards. At the end of our lives, we may have accumulated a little wealth, had some pleasant experiences, or finally been able to retire, which none of these are bad things in and of themselves. But when that is all you are left with, you miss out on the glory of God. You miss out on what God has for your life. Yet it is so much easier to be consistent when our outlook is consistent. Our consistency becomes unchanging and unwavering when we have our eyes on the unchanging and unwavering eternal God. I can imagine Daniel as he sat there, as he was first taken from his home, as he was uh, driven across the desert into Babylon, as he was having to deal with all these new things and deal with all these new circumstances. I can imagine that he thought, it's over. I'm not going to make a difference. My plans are done. I'm never going to accomplish anything. And yet, Daniel not only changed 
the situation around him. He changed an empire. And because of his consistency with God, he's, we're still talking about him today. As we start year two of Five Stones, I want to encourage you. you know, I want to challenge you to have a year of consistency. Consistent with being in church on Sundays, being around other believers. If you're a student, being with other believers on a Wednesday night. To be consistent in your worship of God, to be consistent in serving others, to be consistent in your prayer life, to be consistently in the Word of God. And I think this will not make just a little bit of change. Instead, this will make an exponential amount of change in your life. And if it doesn't, please come see me after a year. Right? I'd love to talk to you. But I think not only will it change your life, but it will change the life of your family. It will change the life of your coworkers. It will change the life of your community. Because, con because consistency like that is contagious. Consistency like that makes a difference. Consistency like that has eternal implications. That's my last point. Is consistency has. Consistency with God makes an eternal impact. You know, what we do today... What we do here on, with our time here is not just for us. It's not just for us to, to live, you know, however much time we have here and be gone. Instead, when we are consistent with God, that echoes into eternity. If you think about how long eternity is compared to our small lifespan, I would rather make an impact on eternity than I ever would just here. But than I ever would to have you know, my name raised up, to ever have, uh, you know, anything here, I would rather have that eternal implication. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says this, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Your labor is not in vain. Your consistency is not in vain. When you are consistent with God, it's not in vain. Your con consistency as a husband, as a wife, a student, an employee, a boss, a friend, a citizen is not in vain, but matters more than you could ever imagine. You may never see how much it matters. I think about the altars that were set up in the Old Testament. That they were a meeting place for God, and they were also a reminder for what God has done. They were not there to make the altar famous, but they said they were there to make God famous. In our lives, when we are consistent with God, can be the same. Can be that altar in the wilderness that people can see. Not to see us, but to see the king.